48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. The headlines. Chief Executive Carrie Lam rebuffs criticism that the government is suppressing freedom of speech following the arrest of an activist for uttering seditious words. People no longer need to make an appointment for a free COVID-19 test under the government's universal testing scheme. And bus drivers take part in a work-to-rule campaign in support of a colleague. Chief Executive Carrie Lam has dismissed criticism that the government was suppressing freedom of speech by arresting an activist for uttering seditious words. People Power Vice Chairman Tam Tak-Chi was arrested on Sunday for allegedly violating a colonial-era section of the Crimes Ordinance. Before the weekly Executive Council meeting, Mrs Lam said exercising freedom of speech was not without limits. There isn't a, a distinction between the age of a law, so to speak, whether a law is uh, pre-1997 or post-1997. The law is still valid. And then it is a law that could be uh, deployed under certain circumstances. The particular incident you have referred to is exactly in accordance with that um, uh, arrangement. There is a law in place, and if there is evidence that someone has breached the law, then the law enforcement Authorities will have to take action. Uh, there has nothing to do with freedom of speech. Mrs Lam said the 12 Hong Kong people detained on the mainland after they were intercepted by Guangdong Coast Guards on a speedboat will first have to be dealt with according to mainland law before the SAR government can intervene. The group is believed to include activist Andy Lee, who was arrested here for alleged national security violations. They were detained more than two weeks ago during what's believed to be a failed attempt to flee to Taiwan by boat. Some of the 12 have not been allowed access to their lawyers. But Carrie Lam offered precious little when she was asked how the Hong Kong government was helping them. If these Hong Kong residents were arrested for bridging mainland offences, then they have to be dealt with according to the mainland laws in accordance with the jurisdiction before any other things could happen. I think the police have also notified the families of some of these residents. We have an office in uh, Guangzhou, and Guangzhou office will also be liaising with the relevant authorities to see what sort of assistance we should render to these Hong Kong residents. Mrs Lam also rejected allegations she was trying to interfere with judicial independence by saying there was no separation of powers in Hong Kong. She accused people of trying to create conflict by playing up a simple matter. Here's Wendy Wong. Carrie Lam said a misunderstanding and controversy surrounding Hong Kong's constitutional system, which she described as a seemingly simple matter, was probably caused by a lack of public education. She said such education should start at schools. She said after recent debates, the truth was more clear that Hong Kong had an executive-led system and she hoped the matter wouldn't be sensationalized again. She said although Hong Kong was executive-led, it didn't mean the CE would interfere with judicial independence, but in fact had the responsibility to ensure no interference in the courts. She noted controversy over recent court rulings, but called on the public to respect them, and said officials refrained from commenting whenever a case was in the judicial process. Mrs Lam said people no longer have to make an appointment for a free COVID-19 test under the government's universal testing scheme after the walk-in quota was boosted. Earlier, the Secretary for the Civil Service, Patrick Nip, defended the programme, which has so far detected only 16 new coronavirus cases. He told an RTHK programme that the free test stopped these cases from infecting more people. Health officials have collected specimen samples from more than 1.2 million people. 
Some bus drivers have taken part in a work-to-rule campaign over the arrest of a New World first bus driver during a police operation in Mongkok on Sunday. Joanne Wong has more. The New World First Bus Staff Union is appealing for patience from passengers. It says some drivers will drive at a safe speed, especially given the wet weather, to avoid what it called dangerous driving accusations from the police. Their comment came after a New World First Bus driver was arrested on Sunday during an anti-government protest in Mongkok for alleged dangerous driving and for possessing a spanner, which the police deemed to be an offensive weapon. Speaking on an RTHK program, the head of the union, Lam Kampu, said even traffic officers should be aware that drivers carry spanners for rear-view mirror adjustment. A bus driver of 20 years echoed that view, saying they usually have a spanner to adjust the mirrors on the different vehicles they drive. He told RTHK that he'll now drive his vehicle to the terminus if there's anything wrong with his mirror. At a bus stop in Sao Maoping during rush hour, one commuter told RTHK that he felt his wait was 10 minutes longer than usual, but he added he supported the drivers. Drivers from other bus firms were also responding to the campaign. The Staff Rights Association of KMB has advised drivers to drive at a safe speed and to make sure they keep an eight-second gap with other vehicles. They've also been told to only allow passengers to board when they arrive exactly at the bus stop. And when rear-view mirrors aren't in the right position, the union says the drivers should wait for an engineer. Police say a 45-year-old man was shot and injured while sitting in his car in Chimsa Choi. Candice Wong has more. The force says the man was shot by someone on a motorcycle after he had pulled up at the junction of Austin and Kenton Road in the early hours of the morning. But in spite of his wound, the man managed to drive his car to Queen Elizabeth Hospital. A photograph taken outside the building shows a white Mercedes, its left door dented and with its window smashed. There was also damage to the other side of the car. Police later went to the scene of the shooting and searched for bullet casing. The case has been classified as attempted murder. The last two journalists working for Australian media on the mainland have been rushed out overnight after police sought to question them. Mike Weeks has details. The Australian Broadcasting Corporation says its correspondent Bill Bertels and Michael Smith from the Australian Financial Review landed in Sydney this morning after flying from Shanghai last night. The two had sheltered in Australian diplomatic offices for several days. The ABC said Australia's foreign ministry warned Mr Bertels last week he should leave. But the day before his departure on Thursday, it says seven police officers visited his home to question him. That same night, the Australian Financial Review said Michael Smith was also visited by police. It said the two men were questioned in relation to the case against Australian citizen Chung Lei, the detained business anchor for state broadcaster CGTN. Chinese authorities have given no reason for Ms Chung's detention. Chinese army says its troops have taken countermeasures after Indian forces fired warning shots in a disputed border region in the Himalayas. It didn't specify what steps have been taken, but tensions in the area remain high after 20 Indian troops and an unknown number of Chinese soldiers were killed in a border clash in June. Thousands of troops have been deployed by both countries in the mountains. India has not yet commented on the incident. New York Times says the Trump administration is weighing a ban on some or all cotton products from Xinjiang over alleged human rights violations. 
region is used by major global clothing brands as a source of cotton and other textiles. U.S. lawmakers have proposed legislation in March aimed at preventing goods made from forced labor in Xinjiang from reaching the United States. Xinjiang is a major cotton-producing region. Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny has been taken out of the coma he was placed into following his poisoning with a suspected nerve agent three weeks ago. The hospital in Berlin said he was now responding to stimuli. Here's BBC's Danny Eberhardt. Alexei Navalny was poisoned, his supporters believe, drinking tea before boarding a plane in Siberia. Germany has said categorically that it was with Novichok, a group of lethal nerve agents developed in the Soviet Union. Mr Navalny, a fierce critic of President Putin, is now out of a coma, and doctors are gradually weaning him off mechanical ventilation. But they will not be drawn on whether he'll suffer long-term consequences of the poisoning. Germany has said it's considering targeted sanctions against Russia. The Kremlin denies any involvement. European leaders have responded coolly to plans by the British government to introduce legislation overriding a key part of the existing Brexit withdrawal agreement. Legislation could contradict a protocol agreed with the EU concerning Northern Ireland, as the BBC's Nick Beek. Certainly in public, there's disappointment on the part of the EU. We heard from the European Commission President, Ursula von der Leyen, earlier, saying that she trusts that the UK will abide by the withdrawal agreement. We also heard from Michel Barnier, who, of course, is the EU's chief negotiator. He said that confidence and trust is so important at this point. If you talk to sources in the Barnier camp, they believe that deep down the British government does want a deal and that not to have one would be disastrous for the British. But certainly trying to interpret what's been coming from London over the past 24 hours or so has been a pretty tricky job for the EU. Britain's Prince Harry and his wife Meghan have repaid in full the cost of renovating the house they were planning to make their family home in England. The renovation of Frogmore Cottage in Windsor cost taxpayers more than three million US dollars. The repayment comes as the couple announced last week that they've signed a production contract with the streaming giant Netflix. Is the BBC's Johnny Diamond. Frogmore Cottage was, in its own way, one of the things that drove Harry and Meghan from Britain. The criticism and commentary around the cost of renovating the property, along with largely illusory stories of how the millions had been spent, were part of the frenzy of media coverage that the couple sought to escape. When they stepped back from royal duties, they offered to repay the money given by the Queen from the taxpayer-funded sovereign grant. The contribution that Harry has made, he was left a considerable sum by his mother Diana, fully covers the renovation costs, says the palace. Short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 24,480. That's 108 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $83 billion. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 106.26 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 18 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 18 cents. Sport now, and here's Adam Cheung. World number one Dustin Johnson has won the PGA Tour Championship to claim the FedEx Cup as the tour's top player. The big-hitting American scored a final round 68 to take victory by three shots at the East Lake Golf Course in Atlanta. He's also gained 15 million US dollars from securing his first FedEx Cup title. You know, I, I played, got off to a great start, and then you know, I played really well coming down the stretch. But um, yeah, it was a tough day tough golf course and I'm definitely excited it's over and that I can celebrate a little bit now instead of it was a grind out there and um, 
but I'm, I'm very proud to be the FedEx Cup champion. In tennis, Serena Williams is through to the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open in New York. She needed three sets to get past the Greek 15th seed Maria Sakkari. It finished 6-3, 6-7, 6-3. Williams says she has no problem raising her intensity, even without fans in the stands. Like I said, I'm super passionate. This is my job. This is what I wake up to do. And this is what I train to do 365 days out of the year. And... Um, Obviously, I miss the crowd because usually I'm, I'm training and I'm playing for the crowd. But now we have a virtual crowd. And I know there's a lot of people that's supporting and um, whether it's me or my opponent. And they're still here to watch a really good match. So, um, yeah, it's just I'm always going to bring that fire and that passion and that that Serena to the court. The second seed, Sophia Kennan, is out. The Australian Open champion was beaten in straight sets by the fifth seed, Elise Mertens. In the men's draw following the disqualification of Novak Djokovic, Austria's Dominic Team has emerged as a favorite to win his first major. The three-time Grand Slam finalist is safely through to the last eight after beating Felix Oje Aliassimi 7-6-6-1-6-1. Last year's finalist Daniel Medvedev beat the American Francis Tiafo in straight sets. That sets up an all-Russian quarterfinal against Andrei Rublev. On the ice, the Tampa Bay Lightning struck eight times to open the NHL's Eastern Conference Final against the New York Islanders. Tampa showed no signs of rust following a week-long break after knocking Boston out in five games. They scored three times on their first nine shots en route to an 8-2 demolition. In the NBA playoffs, the Boston Celtics led from start to finish in a lopsided Game 5 victory over the Toronto Raptors. Jalen Brown scored 27 points and it finished 111-89 for the Celtics, who led by as many as 30. They now lead 3-2 in their second round. Series. In the West, the Los Angeles Clippers rally in the fourth quarter to beat the Denver Nuggets 113-107 and take a 2-1 series lead. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The chief executive Carrie Lam rebuffs criticism that the government is suppressing freedom of speech following the arrest of an activist for uttering seditious words. People no longer need to make an appointment for a free COVID-19 test under the government's universal testing scheme and bus drivers take part in a work-to-rule campaign in support of a colleague. And that's the news from RTHK.
afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday the 8th of September is today's date. Many thanks to Phil Whelan for this morning's Morning Brew. We have an exciting program uh, for you. We'll be chatting uh, with two people who are working in the creative industry, in particularly, uh, in particular, the music uh, industry. And uh, we'll be chatting uh, about the Hong Kong music scene and what it's like to be producing and creating music uh, here in Hong Kong. And we'll be joined by Peter Sabine, the founder of local music record label Ho Lee Cheng, and also Finn Yuyevich, a Hong Kong-based singer-songwriter who's about to release his debut single, Rose in the snow so we might be able to even have a, a sneak preview of the song as well and feel free to join us as well on Facebook uh, we hope to be bringing you and streaming uh, to you the Facebook uh, the, the interview onto the Facebook page which is Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3 and uh, after 2 o'clock uh, Tuesday reporter Andrew Dembina uh, gives us a wonderful feature and this week he'll be talking with John Nguyen uh, chef of Northern Vietnamese restaurant uh, Shuang uh, which is uh, they're going to be talking about the culinary differences between the north and the south of Vietnam and also be hearing about uh, launching his new restaurant during the pandemic. Uh, we often hear about restaurant closures, but there are some people taking risks and launching and setting up restaurants. So we'll hear all about that after the two o'clock news.